Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. Hey. Hi, nice to virtually meet you over, well, voice, audio meet. Voice meet you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, likewise. That's how it goes these days. Uh, I bet uh, none of you are recording in a bathroom like I am. No, I am in the little storage room uh, in inside the kitchen in okay. where, you, where I have the trash cans and mm-hmm. the glass bottles and stuff. Right. Does it sound weird, Joanna, or is it, is it coming through okay? It's coming through fine. Angelina sounds a bit low for me compared to me and you. Yeah, come on, mank it up a little bit here, Angelina. I know, we, sorry, we I was to... being a bit a bit quiet. I'll um, I'll get louder the more I'm talking. Once I start talking about Manchester United, I'll um, start kicking off. So oh, <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> um... yeah, that's about right. <laughs> no, I'll make sure I speak loud, though. Okay, we've, we've all got busy days, so let's let's crack on with this. Uh, joining me, Ian McCord, on today's One Football Podcast is Joanna Bueno. Hello. And Angelina Kelly. Hello. Uh, by now you should know there are two One Football podcasts, Monday's Premier League Adventures with Dan Burke and Thursday's one that, you know, goes into all things worldly with myself. The email address remains the same if you want to get in touch and send over any questions. <clears throat> excuse me. That is podcast at onefootball.com. So another week, another round of all things Champions League. Uh, in his preview for this one on the that excellent One Football app, which you should all really download by now, uh, Alex Mott said Liverpool v Atalanta would be the game of the week, a five-goal half would suggest he was not wrong, Joanna. Yeah, I was actually, I was expecting a lot of goals, but I wasn't expecting them for coming just from one team. Because uh, I, I said before, Atalanta is a team that scores a lot of goals, but concedes a lot of goals. Like, mm. they have a terrible defense. So I was already expecting like some sort of 5-3 or I don't know. But it was a bit surprising, I have to say. I mean, defensively, uh, not that we can expect a lot from them, but it was just there was no defense at all. Like, Liverpool did what they wanted there. And uh, Diego Yotta did what he wanted. Yes, yes. He was amazing, right? I mean, I think at the end of the season, Klopp uh, decided to hire him because he needed some good backup, some good bench. I mean, he has Origi and... and he has people to put in, in in case, you know, the season is too heavy, in case someone gets injured, but it's never on the same level. And I think he needed a step forward. Uh, and, and Jota was supposed to be that guy. But at the, as we see it right now, I'm not sure he's going to be on the bench for much longer. I mean, Firmino hasn't been playing his best football and uh, he just took care of the game. And he, what he's have, he has like seven ga- seven matches and, and five seven goals in eight matches or something like that. He's got some really good numbers. Uh, I'm worried for your... I mean, we're both huge Firmino fans, uh, me and you, Joanna. Uh, Angelina, I don't know how you feel about Firmino. Take him or leave him, I'll be honest. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But uh, he... It does look like he could... uh, He he could be losing his place in in that, uh, that, that lineup. Yeah, it does look like that, which is pretty sad, especially for me, because, you know, he needs to be in good shape for the Brazilian national team. <laughs> <laughs> but 
But the thing is, uh, I think it's really hard when when you're at the top. I mean, as a team, Liverpool, to to remain at the top and to keep playing really good football, especially when you're playing in the Premier League and you have such tough competition. And it's hard to to motivate the guys. It's hard to keep playing your best football. And I think this is a little bit what might have been happening, what might be happening with Firmino. The, the his lack of motivation. I mean, he's been playing there for a while. He, He's been playing his top football for a while. Even in the Brazilian national team, he he was already playing his top football and wasn't in the starting lineup. And I think Jota was also uh, not only to have this really good, you know, uh, backup guy for when needed, but also to to push them forward to mm. say, you know, uh, we've been seeing what for about three seasons now. Salah, Mane, and Firmino is like the top attacking trio mm -hmm. of Europe maybe so I think he's like okay guys you're great but your place is not safe you know we need to to keep improving Firmino was never really the top scorer type of guy like no, uh, that's, not a, that's not his role is it really no It's not his role. Klopp used to say himself, like he's the one of the three that scores the least, but he was the most important. That th those were Klopp, Klopp's words, and I guess that uh, he he passes the ball very well. He he attracts the mar the defenders, so he has a really important strategic role in the trio. Mm -hmm. But I have to say, it's not just because he hasn't been scoring; he has been losing a lot of goals, losing passes. So I guess it's a bit of a wake up call for him. Oof. My God. Uh, I mean, the one thing I, d I did want to say about Yala, which I noticed, and I'm sure a lot of other people noticed, is his finishing is so effortless. Yes. Like, it's yes. a real economy of movement. It's, it's really, really amazing what he, what he did. That, and that first goal, the finish for that first goal was really sublime. Yeah, I think that he, you know, he got a really step up, uh, a step forward going from Wolverhampton. I mean, of course, he was doing a great season there mm. and the team was playing really well last season. They did a really good job. But, you know, going to Liverpool, the, the, you know, the, the big, one of the top, what, three teams in the, in the world in the last few years. So I think for him, it's like, I'm not going to miss this opportunity. And he's not missing the opportunity. He's, he's taking advantage of it. Imagine yourself as Jurgen Klopp, Joanna, and you've got a choice between starting Jota or Firmino against City at the weekend. Who I would you, put who'd you Jota. Go for? I would go for Jota. You're yeah. going to do over your fellow Brazilian just yeah, like that. I would. I would. He 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 deserves it. He, the football he's playing, he is the kind of guy, I'm not sure if you if he used this word in English to describe a, a, a player, but opportunistic. Mm, like, no, that's, yeah, you're perfect there. Yeah. yeah, exactly. He takes the advantage. The ball's there and he's not going to miss it. Like he is in the right place at the right time. And even though, of course, football has a lot to do with talent and practice and, and technical skills, but it's also about the moment. I don't think as a player, Jota is better than Firmino. I think Firmino is one of the best Brazilian strikers of the last years, but uh, I think he's in a best moment, in a, in a better moment, so I would go for Jota. Angelina, if you imagine yourself as Jurgen Klopp, Premier League. Do I, do I have to? <laughs> <laughs> Only for the purposes of this podcast. You don't really have to. Okay. That's uh, who do you go with? Do you go with Yoda or Firmino against City? I've, I've got to agree. I mean, at the end of the day, you look at who's making an impact. He's making an impact. So as much as you want to stay 
loyal, I guess, sometimes to players that have had, you know, a good few seasons of service and have been so effective, you know, it's what, what do you do? You try and stay loyal to somebody or you put somebody on the pitch that has been proving themselves for quite a few games now. So, yeah, yeah I would. But, yeah, I, I think me, me as Klopp's a dangerous idea anyway. But, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no, I would agree 100%. Okay, Bobby, if you're out there, you're listening, I still love you. They've, Joanna, <laughs> I do too. No, Joanna, Joanna has abandoned no, you, Bobby. No, you've blown it now. No, you've, you've blown it. We've all heard it. You've blown it. Uh, but I still love you, Bobby. I'd pick you. Don't you worry. Uh, elsewhere, uh, a big, big win for Real Madrid. One that was really needed for Zidane. No, who saw this game, Joanna? Yeah, I I guess uh, people in Brazil we say that you know three defeats and you get uh, fired. The coach gets fired, so everyone was. That that is true in Brazil, though. (laughs) Yeah, everyone was making jokes like Zidane getting fired. Zidane getting. I think Zidane's getting fired, and uh, no, Zidane is not getting fired. He he's alive in the Champions League and very much alive. I have to say. Okay, but uh, there is. I mean, just to explain, there is about. How many sackings has there been in the Serie A in Brazil so far this season? Uh, now we've, I think we have 13 sackings in wow. about 19 uh, match days. Oh, they go hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, did Benzema pass to Vinicius Junior? I have to say, I didn't really uh, pay attention to if he was passing to Vinicius. Okay. And Vinicius came in, in came in and at the end of the match. He didn't play a lot. But I have. did you notice that when Vinicius passed that wonderful assist for Rodrigo to score the winning goal, that actually Benzema was in a better position to score that goal <laughs> and Rodrigo was the one that got the ball. So I think that says a lot. Did it make the... Was it a big thing in Brazil when, when with these Benzema quotes or... Yeah, B- Benzema is like he can't step in Brazil right now. Oh. He's gonna be murdered. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair warning to Benzema. Did, don't, did don't you go. see that Richardson replied to Benzema because Benzema? No, said I missed that. this. What did he say? Benzema said that thing. Well, you know, apparently he said that thing, and then uh, people were commenting that in, in the Spanish media. And like the right after that, Benzema posted something on Instagram saying "Ala Madrid" or something like that. <laughs> and then Richarlison commented right afterwards. Uh, he said a Portuguese slang, which is like "boni bonde do Vini Malvadeza," which means like "we're together with Vini and we're gonna go after you," something oh, like that. Wow. <laughs> Wow. It doesn't say go, I'm going to go after you, but it says like Vinny's the guy, something like that. Great. Hey, I want I want Richardson on my team. <laughs> um, uh, we, we have talked a lot about Madrid lately and their problems, but you, uh, you were quite interested in their right back position. Yeah, I was I was actually looking back at some of Madrid's uh, matches and some of the goals they considered in the last few matches because they have considered a lot of goals in the last few matches. And I noticed that seven out of the nine goals they conceded of the in the last matches happened from or on the right back position. They have been playing without a right back for about a month. Um, Carvajal is injured and then Odrio Sola, who is the replacement, 
also got injured at the beginning of the month. Zidane has been trying different setups in different matches. Like uh, against Inter, he put Lucas Vasquez, who is an attacker, in the right back mm. position. And you, we all saw the, how that go, how that <laughs> went with that uh, Perisic goal. So I think he he has a little hole in his defense. We have to admit that you know Real Madrid hasn't been playing the best defensive football and. Casemiro is a wonderful player, but the rest of the midfield is not very defensive and is not very secure on their defense. Mm. So, and you know, we all know how Marcelo play. He's amazing, but he's not a defender. So I think that w this is what happens. If you have some sort of uh, deficit in your defense and if for a match, for example, you don't have Sergio Ramos or um, Vahan is in a really bad moment or is in bad luck it makes all the difference to have Carvajal or Odriozola and he's not being able I think this is his biggest problem right now is to fill that gap mm. I mean we don't know when these guys will be back yet and he has to figure out how to do that I guess he could move Ramos right back but that leaves a gaping hole in the middle of their defense yes Ramos actually started in the right back he yeah. became a defender during Mourinho era I think if I'm not mistaken and, and he's of course you know a wonderful player we all know that but <clears throat> yeah i think he could move them there but now um Militon has covid i think so uh, the other defenders in 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 the team are not playing their best football either and Vahan, as we know he's one guy when he plays next to sergio ramos is oh. a different guy when he mm. plays <laughs> next to Militon. sergio ramos has got a hundred goals for real madrid from, isn't that amazing 55 with his head Incredible. Not to mention decisive goals. Mm. Champions League final Champions goals. League goals. Mm. I don't like the beard, but I like the goals. The beard's got to be the beard's got to be wild for me at this yeah. stage. It's a bit, it's, yeah. a, it's a bit shipwrecked. It's a bit Vikings captain, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, Angelina, did you happen to see the Barella assist for Inter? No, I did not. Oh, you oh, you missed out. I feel out. like I've missed out. You have missed out. You have to check that out. Oh, you got to see it. It was maybe the most beautiful moment of the match. Do you want to? I think so. I think so. I have. I that assist was amazing, and that was you know that assist is a Firmino assist. Wasn't that's, a, that? that's a Firmino. Hey, look, you're not allowed to talk about Bobby anymore. You're off Bobby's <laughs> wish list. Uh, but it did get me thinking about uh, my favorite ever assist. Uh, do either of you have a have a favorite one you'd like to mention? Uh, I have to say that my favorite assist is an assist where uh, Rivaldo in the mm. 2002 World Cup final didn't even touch the ball. Kleberson passes the ball apparently to Rivaldo and then he just opens his leg and lets the ball pass by and Ronaldo scores the winning goal, the second goal of that final. Mm. So I think that's my favorite ever. Okay, that's fair enough. Angelina, anything comes to mind? Um, I mean, just because things are so dire for my club at the moment, <laughs> I can't necessarily pick an exact moment but the only thing that has given me joy recently is maybe been a, a few assists from Bruno Fernandes recently mm -hmm. um, that's yeah like I say it's the only thing that makes me smile at the moment about my club so yeah but there's uh, there's a lot you could go back in history of games there are so so many but yeah I would probably say that one of his assists at the moment I'm going to go back to 2005 Champions League final 
Kaká's pass for um, Hernan Crespo, where he turns and then slices up the entire defence and lays an inch-perfect pass into Crespo's run. Uh, that's that's up there for me. That was quite a match. That or Pirlo in the semi-final of the 2004 World Cup against Germany for, oh, what's the fullback's name? It always escapes me. Grosso. Grosso. Grosso, yeah. Uh, when he just holds on and holds on and holds on, eventually plays it. Yeah, that's that's pretty decent too. Uh, how good Rodrigo. He scored a, a cracking goal. Um, yeah. I, I'm interested to know how good he can be. I, I like him a lot, but he's still very, very young. And What I age think- is he now? I think he's 18 still. Oh, God. Yeah. And uh, in the last season, he came in uh, in a few matches, and every time he came in, he would score a goal. In the Champions League, I think in the group stage, he scored a hat-trick against uh, Galatasaray. So there was a big, big fuzz around him, and I think it didn't help a lot. So Zidane, you know, trying to get these young guys to play their best football and to still be grounded he put him back in the bench he didn't even call him for a few matches you could see that uh, after he scored the goal he he made some sort of movement saying that you know the the bad luck was out like i'm getting rid of this bad luck because he hadn't been playing well and scoring goals but he has a lot of time to improve and I have to say, unlike Vinicius, because I do like Vinicius better, he is more of a goal scorer. And Mm. Vinicius is not that guy. Vinicius is fast, he's an assist, and he has a terrible aim. (laughs) But I think Rodrigo can be, you know, some... Uh, Benzema's uh, next guy and the next Benzema in Real Madrid or something okay without all of those nasty things that went on at the same time uh, <laughs> the, uh, the Benzema that doesn't uh, that gets along well with Vinicius let's, say, <laughs> let's put it like that um, I don't want to talk about Marseille being defeated because uh, that doesn't come as a, as a surprise but I do want to mention this quote from Andre Villas-Boas which I quite liked he said in order to be shit in the Champions League you have to at least qualify for the Champions League we did it and we are being shit I appreciate the honesty AVB it's not often it's not often you get managers who are uh, who are that candid after their games uh, last week we gave uh, Angelina her hipster flowers for watching yes. uh, Ajax and Atalanta um, so congratulations on that I don't know if it means anything uh, this week though uh, I'm afraid we have to give it to Joanna who actually watched a 1-1 draw between Locomotive Moscow and Atletico Madrid <laughs> come on Joanna why why <laughs> It was the early match. We only had two options and I was making dinner. So I just left the computer on by my side. Oh, okay. Uh, That's fair enough. It did have fans, which was quite nice. Although it did look like they weren't socially distancing in any way. So, (laughs) you know, I don't know what that means. Uh, But two points read this game. Joao Felix uh, looks great again. Uh, And he has has done for uh, Atletico this season. But uh, Atletico will be disappointed not to have won, I think. Yes, Atletico, well, of course, they're a much better team than Lokomotiv Moscow, and they did play a much better football. But I'm not really sure what's happening with them. They are very irregular and very... They're missing some opportunities in, in that we don't see Atletico miss uh, on, on usually. Uh, they, they haven't been playing their best football in the league, uh, in La Liga either, and in the Champions League. Let's say, let's face it, they don't have a tough group. You know, they have Bayern, and of course, I, I mean, you know, Bayern is always hard, but they can secure a second place very easily, and. 
it it looked like a like it looked like they were playing a team of their own level because they scored the, the first goal and it looked like there was going to be a 3-0 and then they just stopped mm. and at some moment of course you know there was a penalty locomotive tied the match and that was it i mean okay. it was a very very disappointing i have to say but uh, interesting japers from luis suarez Yeah, that was the best moment of the match. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see why the players can't look at the screen. What, what difference does it make? Yeah, actually, the screen is right over there. It's mm. it's not really in a box or in some matches you see it in the hallway, between the tunnel to the dressing room. Mm -hmm. That one wasn't the case. But I guess he was a bit too close. <laughs> <laughs> but he's quite a character. I mean, only Suarez is gonna get a yellow card for peeking behind the oh, he got shoulder a yellow, of the... He got a yellow card for it, did he? He got a card for oh, that. Oh, okay. I thought it was just a bit of fun. Okay. Um, Angelina? Yes. Okay. Are you ready for it? I don't think I am. I don't think I'm ever gonna be. Let's just get it over and done with. Okay, let's get it over and done with. Right, you watch the Man United game. Unfortunately, yeah. They're nothing if not interesting. Mm, keep mm. us on our toes again. <laughs> They keep us on your toes. But what the hell happened? I'm, I'm honestly in shock. I mean, this time last week, we were celebrating. Marcus Rashford was basically a lord. Um, <laughs> and life was good, but it was just a shambles. Left, right and centre. Defensively awful. They struggled at the front as well to find a goal and a chance um, to even just, you know, draw it level. It was an embarrassing situation. And at the end of the day, they gave the opposition too much space. They were unorganised, weak. Besiktas took advantage. And you know what? Props to them. And shout out to uh, to Denver Bar. Denver Bar, still going. Round of applause for him. Yeah, I don't say that much. Uh, why was everybody in the United half and Denver Bar uh, so free for that goal? Or maybe, everybody was in the was in the opposition half. Sorry, yeah. Maybe they were. I don't know. Having like a meeting about something, or like <laughs> someone had like some gossip to share, or maybe there was like a plane going across the sky that they were all looking at. I'm not too sure. I mean, I've I've got no idea. I'd love to have a word with those defenders and be like, what was your thought process? Did nobody really think to kind of stay a little bit more defensive, or did you just think let's just all run forward and just mess about? I've it baffled me completely and utterly baffled me. I don't know what the thought process was where do you, never will where do you stand on Maguire uh, obviously 80 million so is <laughs> yeah. you know not cheap money well spent obviously uh, he was clearly out of position for the first one and sold what I thought was a fairly obvious dummy on the second mm. uh, he's the captain <laughs> you have forgot about that <laughs> yeah, yeah you did. no I don't don't think I didn't see that armband stand out on that zebra kid uh so yeah, we're like you've watched them quite a bit. You're obviously a United fan. I'm yeah. Where do you stand on them? You know what? It's it's frustrating. I feel like last season I had a lot of respect for him because I think there were these rumours that came out that during the month of January he was really struggling with injuries and he was just I think it was his hip mm. and he was getting through on just injections to keep playing so that he didn't have to drop out. And I thought, you know what? Props to this guy because that's the kind of player you want playing for your club. They're willing to sacrifice. Um, and I thought last season he had some really good moments and I was expecting this season to be, you know, a more settled season for him. 
Um, and I, I did at first feel bad for him because I think with a price tag like that and some of the defenders also playing in Europe, but, you know, playing down the road um, at, um, you know, at Merseyside, you know, mm. obviously he's injured at the moment, but, you know, players like Van Dijk, et cetera, you know, there's going to be a lot on his shoulders. And I kind of thought, you know what, with a big price tag, like I say, big responsibility, and I do feel a bit bad. But now I just feel like I'm kind of over him because I'm like, Ollie's continued to play him. I think, I mean, listen, I could go on about Solskjaer as well. I'm not really happy with him. But I think that he's continued to play him to kind of, I don't know, maybe show, show a bit of solidarity, especially with everything that's been going on, you know, in the national team, in his personal life. He's maybe made a bit of a statement saying, no, he's going to carry on as our captain. We're going to carry on playing with him. Um, and um, But has this really worked at the end of the day? He's shown faith in him, but these mistakes are being made. They've paired him with, I think, almost every centre-back, apart from maybe Phil Jones and, and Rojo. Um, and it's just not working. So what else is there to do at this point? Apart from maybe Benjamin finds... And, I don't know, look at other options. I've got no idea, but like I say, yeah, money really well spent. It's always it's it's always funny to see to hear people have a meltdown. That's it's always nice. Uh <laughs> tell us why what's what's with Ole? Cuz he he clearly doesn't have a plan for when teams no. like when they can counter-attack and attack teams, they can do very very well. Yes. You see the results. But when teams sit back against them and give them the ball, Not there's there's nothing there, isn't there? Not a clue, and I, and I think that starts from, you know, it's got to start with him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's got to. It's got to start with him, and I think um, I've always tried to be really positive about Ollie because I always felt like it's been such a hot mess that getting rid of him at this point, you know, it's going to be a bit of disarray. We're, you know, get coming up towards Christmas time. You know, the season's starting to get into the full swing of it. Um, I still don't really it's hard it's hard because he's a bit of a club legend you kind of don't want to see him sacked but you kind of do because he's doing everyone's head in it just seems like he doesn't really have a plan and it just it just looks it looks bad it just looks really bad like you say when you've got the opportunity when they have the opportunity to counter attack everyone it's it's magical at times it really Mm. is but there is this, and this is this is not something that's just cropped up this week. This is something that we've known since last season that we've struggled with. Why has it not been rectified? And you have to look at him eventually. Like, you know, people at Manchester United, you can blame the board, you can blame the owners. You know, he's the manager and you have to, we have to start putting some of the blame on him, not just the players. Mm, um, to the uh, players. Angelina, I think maybe you can um, agree with me or not. I would like to know your opinion. But I think that Solskjaer is the biggest fan of Bruno Fernandes because if it wasn't for him coming in in the middle of the season last season, he wouldn't be where he is right now. Oh, 100%. I mean, he probably sleeps with a picture of Bruno Fernandes at the side of his bed <laughs> and says his prayers to him for keeping him in a job for the length of time that he has. But then it's like, you know, you bring players in like that and then you're almost embarrassed for them because you're thinking you've walked into a club thinking this club's got history, they've got this club legend at the helm and everything's going to be great and they get there and it's... you, you. I feel like writing to him and saying I'm so sorry that you're here. I mean, it's bad enough he's in Manchester anyway but then playing for a club that's not even, you know, doing what they should be doing. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. 
Can we get a copy of that letter if you do happen to write it? 100%. Okay, It'll be you. on the One Football app. Okay. Uh, <laughs> one Football crank writes to Manchester United. Yes. Uh, Donny van de Beek. Yes. Where are they going to fit him in? He's, it's, it's not looking right at the moment. He's another one that I feel sorry for. You know, he's rocked up. Edwin van der Sar's that's another. Him. That's another letter you're going to have to write there. You're gonna, another letter. <laughs> these letters are stacking up. <laughs> Honestly, um, you know, Edwin van der Sar's put his arm around him and said, you know what, go to Manchester United. I was there. It was great back then. I'm sure it's still the same. You'll be absolutely <laughs> fine. Good luck. I've, I've told him, I've rung ahead for you and told him to look after you. And then he's got to deal with this absolute rubbish. But he was the only one last night that actually, you know, stood out for me. At least he managed to, I think it was 93% of his passes he did actually manage to complete. And he had four successful take-ons, which is probably better than most of the players on the pitch. So he was the only one that, that seemed to do something. But it is really tough. I mean, I know that coaches in the past have said that he can play in that number six role. Um, people have said maybe he should be filling in the gap somewhere between, you know, an ageing defensive midfielder in Matic and Bruno Fernandes that's in more of a number 10 role. But it's, I, th- this is what happened when we signed him. You would normally think he would be suited more to that number ten role in the system of the four-two-three-one, but as we all know, you know Solskjaer is Bruno Fernandez's number one fan, so it's unlikely that he's going to lose his place. But then at the same time, Bruno Fernandez cannot play in every single game. Um, you know he needs a rest, um, but then maybe if you leave Fernandez there, maybe in a two-role kind of behind him, um, him and Pogba, I mean, as two mm-hmm. two behind him, maybe that. I would like to see him in more of a di- uh, diamond formation. Um, but the, the saving grace for him is that he's a little bit more versatile than some of the other players in that he can do the defensive work. But if they can't find a position for him in more of an attacking role, it's a waste it's an absolute waste on a, yeah. of him. I'm not even so. sure he was the right person that United really needed to bring in this I, summer, but that's that's another, I, another I agree question as yeah. well. Yeah, uh, Dean Henderson played last night. How did he get on? Like another letter that I've got to write. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know what? He did the best in a horrible situation. Um, I don't think the goals. You cannot blame him. Um, maybe you could say he could have maybe got a hand to it, but. I liked his passion. He's clearly very... Oh, he was angry. He was angry oh. after the first one. Oh, he was kicking right off. But I like that. That's what I want to see because that shows that he, he cares. I mean, who wouldn't care? It's your Champions League debut and it's going pretty wrong. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I do feel sorry for him. I'm looking forward to seeing him more. I have been more um, Team De Gea, not in that I think Henderson is rubbish, but for reasons I could sit and talk about all day, but I have wanted, I'm glad that we've kept De Gea in that number one role, but I'm also excited to see Henderson be drip fed more into the team and and just see what he can bring. Okay, so speaking of what the hell happened, Leipzig were hammered by Man United last week, but come back and beat PSG this week. <laughs> how do they do? How do they do this? Who's who saw? Did both of you see this one? Yeah, yeah well, I, I did. Yeah, I mean, the the first half they weren't great. Exactly, they they were. It was two different matches, the first and the second half. Yeah, it it was. Um, I think. 
I think in, in some places it was just that PSG didn't have the best look. Well, they definitely didn't have the best look, let's be honest. But mm. there was times when they could have could have been up and I think it wasn't necessarily a case of Leipzig were the absolute shining stars for the full 90 minutes. I think it was more that PSG messed up a bit, to be honest. Oh, but Moisey, yeah. Moisey Keane looked good, didn't he? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's great. I mean, I can imagine Everton fans are absolutely fuming. I mean, they've, they've got a few they've got a few decent players, so they're not going to be, you know, I'm sure they'll They're be, doing okay at the moment. Yeah, I'm sure they'll be like, oh, we didn't need him anyway. But you just know that deep down they're thinking, wow, yeah. I mean, for me to see a young player with talent, to see him have this new lease of life, you, you've got to enjoy seeing that. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So yeah, I've, I'm I'm buzzing for him, and I hope it continues. I hope it's not just a flash in the pan. Well, I I really enjoyed him at Juventus, and mm. then I thought when he went to Everton, I thought, oh god, they're going to be building statues to this guy. He's great. Yeah. But obviously, it didn't didn't quite work out. But it's nice to see, like you say, nice to see him doing well again. Mm. Uh, anything else you want to mention for that match, Joanna? Or I think it, I have to agree with Angelina. I think PSG. I. I don't think they started the Premier League, the the Champions League yet, because yeah. they've been playing really poor football. And uh, yesterday they they scored the one nil. They had a penalty. They thought, you know, it's uh, we're, we got it. Leipzig was so easy last season. We've got the match. They didn't. And Leipzig woke up, and you could see. I mean, in the second half, I, I don't have the stats, but it looked like it was ninety percent ball possession. Leipzig, and this is the Leipzig that. I was expecting to see in, in 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 the Champions League and still didn't had quite started the Champions League I think like that I think that 5-0 was a bit of a that was the 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 outside you know mm. that was the the strange thing that happened yeah. and this is the Leipzig that we want to see and that we know they can do it and I'm expecting them to to do a great Champions League again. I think they have the team. They they kept more or less, you know, most of the team. And I I, I really enjoy Julian Nagelsmann work. I think he is a great guy. Uh, I really still I don't understand why Niko Kovac went to Bayern that year. I thought they were going for Nagelsmann, but. Mm. I think they don't need a coach right now, right? What do you do? You enjoy Nagelsmann's suits. Oh, the suits, not so much. But yesterday he had like a, just a tracksuit, so it was okay. I I reckon he he knew people were taking the piss out of him for that last suit, and that's why he had the tracksuit on last. Uh, last you time. should Google Dunga as when he was a Brazilian national team coach when okay. he first was because he had two uh, runs in the Brazilian national team. It's like I think Nagelsmann's getting inspired by Dunga. I think okay. he's his role model because it's just like that. Let me see if I can get one or two pictures up here. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, he looks good. Dunga, 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 Dunga can pull it off a little bit more. And then the press used to attack him and he was like, oh, but it's my daughter that she studies fashion and she's the one that chooses my clothes. So it just got worse. <laughs> uh, okay. Any other, other than Dunga's uh, fashion and daughter, uh, any other Champions League points we want to mention or should we move on? Um, I just thought shout out to Chelsea for getting um, oh, yeah. okay. the, the 3-0 win over Wren. Um I was expecting a bit more from Wren, but I think, you know what, credit where credit's due, Frank and his team of merry men are getting the job done in this competition. Mm. So kudos to them. Another clean sheet. Yeah. 
It's amazing what happens when you buy a decent keeper, isn't it? <laughs> you know what? It's crazy, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, the improvements you can make with better players. Astounding. Mm. OK, uh, so last weekend saw Manchester City beat Everton 3-1 in the Women's FA Cup final. And uh, as we know, Angelina, you are a fan of all things Manchester City. Of course. Uh, but I think we can all say that they probably deserved this one. 100%. Um, it, was a, it was a very close game. Um, you know, both teams are very talented with great players, but I just think City had that extra um, bit of edge. They could have finished it earlier, um, you know, and I remember that it was um, Steph Horson. She had a header mm. um, that was just tipped onto the post in extra time. Um, they definitely had more chances than Everton. Um, but yeah, no, they, again, pains me to say it, but yeah, they did deserve the win, yeah. God, Manchester really is blue these days, isn't it? Oh, yeah, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, did you think Everton were maybe a touch too timid? I feel like they could have been a bit more aggressive or maybe they were just overawed by the whole thing because, you know, it's Wembley. I agree. I mean, they've not really been in the mix for any kind of silverware since like the 2013-14 season. So it's been a minute. Um, So maybe they were a little bit overawed, but I think aggression was needed. They're, of course, missing um, Gabby George, who is Jesse Lingard's cousin. Um, Really? Yeah. um, She is um, one of their defenders. um, And she has been out with, I think it's, um, I think it was her Achilles um, or her, cruciate ligament I think actually I think it was in her knee um, that she had to have surgery so she's you know slowly coming back um, but I think they have to not look at this as we've lost at Wembley we've lost an FA Cup final I think Mm. they have to take it as more of a we got to an FA Cup final um, take the positives from the campaign and come back stronger Okay Uh, Pretty big blow with uh, Valérie Gauvin you know getting injured in the first half too yeah, I mean, she she was a trooper because she got injured in the first half. Oh, she, she kept on of, going, right? Yeah, she Oof. soldiered up to like, I think she was subbed at like 90 minutes. It was, she really, really soldiered on in the second half. She even had a shot on goal. And, you know, when one of you, I think they maybe should have, I mean, props to her for soldiering on, but I think they maybe should have made the sub a little bit earlier because, you know, if you one of your best players is weak, and can't, can't press, can't really do a huge exactly. amount. Versus yeah. bringing somebody on who maybe isn't as talented, but has at least got the legs. So, yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, and a shout out to uh, Sandy uh, McIver, who, who maybe had the game of her life. My God. You know what? Shout out to both of those keepers. They were the reason both teams were in the game for so long. And I think, you know, they're both young keepers, but Everton's keeper, you know, she's a 22-year-old, a young keeper to step up Mm. to the plate in such a big competition. And I think when she kept out um, Steph Orton's header, I think that was one of the the most important saves. And, And it's interesting because, you know, people... People like to have a jab at women's football, of course, but goalkeeping in women's football, I would say, is something that people like to maybe ridicule a bit more. Um, it's a very easy target for people to start criticising. Um, but we're, what we're seeing here that is really exciting is this is kind of the first generation of full-time professional female goalkeepers that are actually receiving the attention that they need in these in these roles you know they're having the specialist coaching and you know what we're seeing the results of it um and I think Ellie Roebuck as well who was uh, City's goalkeeper she's currently I 
think pretty much got England's number one um, down. There were obviously veteran keepers, Karen Bardsley, um, Carly Telford also in the mix, but I think that um, McIver has 100% thrown her name into the ring and she definitely deserves a chance. So yeah, congrats to her. We should mention it. Let's just face it, it's not fair. I mean, you got volleyball, the net is lower for the women. You got basketball, the the basket is lower for the women. You got tennis and they play less uh, sets. Then you got football, the goal is the same size. The pitch is the same size. I mean, the women are smaller. It's not fair. Also, this criticism is always from some lad who finds it hard to get up off the couch. Never mind play professional football. So yes. I think we can we can probably just ignore all of those 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 people. Yeah. Uh, so uh, City, who actually only turned professional, I think in 2014. Yeah. Uh, seven major honors since then. That's pretty decent. Uh, but only fifth in the league right now. Five games mm. played, eight points. Uh, you have a feeling this will spur them on, right? Yeah. Um, I think it's been amazing. You know, I, I, it's it's hard for me to get these words out, so they mean a lot. It's been amazing to see Manchester City. I, I, I feel a bit ill. Um, no, it's been amazing to see them <laughs> do the work that they have done with the women's team mm-hmm. and make that step up and work hard to have such a strong presence. I think the return of Lucy Bronze this season is massive. It's yeah. a real statement. You know, she left City to go to Leon. You know, she's won it all with them, Champions League, League Cup, etc., etc. And I think her return to the UK was her saying, you know what, I've done it with the you know arguably one of the greatest teams in women's football if not the greatest team in women's football um i want to come back and achieve stuff in the uk and i think she's picked manchester city i think that's a statement to say mm-hmm. i believe this is the team that can win it all um you know there are there's a lot of talent it's not going to be an easy season i think it's going to be a very interesting season but i think that win like i say the return of bronze I think they've got a very, very good chance. It's still early days. I mean, they've only played five games. So, yeah, but I'm very excited to see what they'll do. I was actually talking to a couple of people within Man City recently about the women's team and they were just, you know, giving me the lowdown and everything like that. But it's it's amazing to hear that they get the, and it shouldn't be in in this year, but it is amazing to hear that they get the exact same facilities as the men. Yeah. Because that, you you see, yeah. you see like, for, I know we're going to talk about the, the Conti Cup now in a minute and United was, and against everything was cancelled because of, you know, safety concerns from high winds and, and walls falling down and such nonsense as that that would never happen in the men's game. Uh, so it is, you know, it is nice to see that City have made it uh, uh, as part of their philosophy now that it's 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 on a level pegging and it is it is equal yeah. for all. Yeah. A- a- amazing to see from Manchester City, and you have to one hundred percent give them, you know, a you know round of applause to them because it's just a perfect example of a team doing it right. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, so Liverpool played City yesterday at a rather curious time of three p.m. Mm. I'm not quite sure why that was. <laughs> um, but City came out on top 3-0. Wipe the floor with them. Um, mm. I mean, it's no surprise to me. You know, Liverpool have dropped into the second division. Their team are struggling in comparison. They're, they're just not on the same level. Um, although, you know, Liverpool did manage to beat Manchester United in this competition earlier on. Um It just seems like they've not really been able to build on that momentum. And it was just a case, I think, of City being on their A game, fresh off that FA Cup win. And Liverpool just, which is probably a bizarre thing for Liverpool Mm. fans in general, that they're just not on that same level as Manchester City at the moment. Not quite. Not quite Mm. at all. Um, This weekend in the Women's Super League is a 
quite a big one actually yeah very busy <laughs> very busy it's fourth against second as Chelsea take on Everton which is interesting but then even better it's first against third as Arsenal entertain your Man United yeah I hope it's not a repeat of the uh, the men's game that's all I can say well it's <laughs> yeah oh, I, I mean given the form that Arsenal are in I'd be I would be worried for you I'm scared yeah I'll, 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 I'm I'm woman enough to admit I'm scared yeah 100% <laughs> I don't know what will happen I mean Arsenal the most decorated club in women's football in, in the UK Manchester United are kind of the new kids on the block yeah the only decent club decent team sorry that's coming out of Manchester United Football Club at the minute <laughs> um, I know that last month Arsenal were really suffering with their injuries but minus losing to City in the FA Cup um, they've managed to keep things ticking over nicely and you know five wins from five in the league and I think it helps when you've got one of the brightest stars in the game um, with Mia Demma. I'm not sure if I've, if I've pronounced the name. Yeah, I'm always worried about pronouncing it wrong yeah, too. So I, I wanted you Mia to go Demma. first. Yeah, I've gone with, with Mia Demma. Joanna, Joanna's, got a, Joanna's got a Dutch connection, so maybe she can Yeah, she can I'm going to ask Kim and I'll come back in the yeah, next podcast. Yeah, let us know next time. Yeah, thanks yeah. very much. Um, just the four goals for her during the week. Yeah. First half hat trick. Pretty Light easy. Work. Light, work. Yeah. <laughs> Light work. You know, breaking the all time women's Super League goal scoring record. Just a normal day in the office for her. Yeah, she at is. 24 years of age. Oh, she's amazing. I, I, I don't even want, want to tell you what I was doing at 24. I certainly wasn't breaking any sort of records. <laughs> <laughs> um, but should we get a couple of quick predictions from you then, Angelina? Chelsea Everton? Um, Chelsea Everton I mean Chelsea have had some amazing wins over City um, and Arsenal um, and with another game against Arsenal on the horizon I think they will want a positive one Everton I think it might be tough for them to bounce back from um, the FA Cup loss but they did beat Chelsea in the FA Cup quarter final so They've, they've both got options. I think the great thing with Chelsea is they've got a variety of goal scorers uh, from Frank Kirby to Bethany England, mm. Peniel Harder, who's just signed for them. That was an, a great move for them because she's got a good eye for goal. You know, coming from Wolfsburg, again, one of the yeah, greatest... Yeah, huge, um, huge move. Yeah, yeah, one of the greatest players. So, yeah, Everton, obviously, with that amazing goalkeeper. But I, I just feel like Chelsea will get this one. I'm going to go with a 2-1, 2-1 and, win for Chelsea. Okay, and United-Arsenal? <laughs> um, I, I mean, just say what? it. It's okay. You're I've, you're in a safe you're in a safe place, Angela. Thank just you. Say it. Um, United, you know, four wins and a draw. They've not lost yet, but I think this will be the weekend that they lose. They do have, you know, some very good players in the likes of Lauren James, Ella Toon, etc. But I just feel like Arsenal are just going to be too too strong, and I think this is going to be a humbling one for Manchester United to just kind of say to them, you know. You are the new kids on the block. Yeah, you did manage to get promoted, but just calm down a little bit. You're not necessarily on our level yet. So um, I think Arsenal will pro... I'm going to go for a 3-1 win for Arsenal. Oh, so just to sum up this part of the podcast before we leave, <laughs> Joanna has abandoned her fellow countryman in poor Bobby. Poor Bobby's at home crying right now, looking in yeah. the mirror, looking at his teeth crying right now. <laughs> and, and you have now just given up your club 
basically, yeah, that's how it looks, isn't it? Um, no, that, that's that's exactly, that's exactly how it is. How, yeah, that's exactly um, how it is. You know okay. what? I'm 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 not even sorry that this team's doing me dirty this <laughs> Both week. Both so. teams, male and female. <laughs> yeah, they're yeah. doing me dirty. So you know what? And maybe I need a little break from them for a minute, and well, then you maybe got, yeah, they'll realise my absence and feel bad yeah. and be like, "We need to step it up." Angelina's not happy. And then they'll then they'll get the letters and they'll, the barring orders will come out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then you know I'll have to tell the story of how I am not allowed within 100 feet of Old Trafford. <laughs> In this newish part of the podcast, we get a fan to geek out about their club. Last time around, it was Marcus Montiero on Palmeiras. This time around, it's podcast debutant in the shape of Chloe Beresford, the founder of Curva Ecalcio. Hello. Yeah, that is that is the point where you say hello, Chloe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I was just, uh, just over a little bit, I'm sure. Um, so, uh, yeah, so why why uh, Fiorentina then? What got you behind them? Uh, okay, so it's, it's quite a, a long and unusual story. Uh, my great-granddad played for Manchester City in the 1930s. And as, as part of that, they had a really good team at that time. Um, the likes of uh, Sir Matt Busby and uh, Frank Swift played in the team and lots of other sort of international players. So he was a reserve, really. He only actually ever played two first team games for City in his career. Do you know who they were against? Yes, Aston Villa and Sheffield Wednesday. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so uh, City actually won the FA Cup in 1934. Um, and because they were sponsored by Thomas Cook, they'd arranged a, a post-season tour to Europe and they went and played several different European teams. I mean, a post-season tour is quite strange for us now, isn't it? I think the players <laughs> have probably had enough by that point. Um, but yeah, he... Um, he got his chance to play uh, against Fiorentina, um, who were quite a, a young, a new side at the time, and they thought it was amazing to be playing what they called the English Lions, um, you know, the FA Cup winners. It was a big deal to them. And so because it was a big deal, the whole of the Italy 1934 squad, uh, Giuseppe Miazza and some other wow. really, really famous names, were sitting on the sidelines watching. And, yeah, because some of the players had gone on international duty, my great-granddad, is Peter Percival is his name, um, got to play in the match and he actually scored a goal in a 3-3 draw. So it's a, a really kind of special piece of history for my family. And uh, we wanted to go over and, and see where he'd played because it's the same stadium. Um, so we several years ago, we went uh, across to Florence and the people there it's not like um, say Juventus or one of the Milan clubs where they get a lot of tourists they they don't really get many people going to, to watch Fiorentina so um, they were very very interested in why we were there um, and they just they just kind of really embraced the story of you know it wasn't a lot of people oh yeah we love the purple shirts they they really love the fact that we had a proper story and a proper link to the club and we've just kept going back we've made solid friendships and um, you know we love it What position did he play? Um, inside forward, he was a number seven. Inside forward, you know you're going back in time when you yeah, hear when you hear positions absolutely. like inside forward. Yeah. But I mean that's amazing. The whole like that that's a pretty famous 
34 team all there watching your your great grandfather play that's amazing yeah yeah do you know what order his goal came in was he did he kind of get the, I, the draw I goal or? i can't remember i can't remember okay. i think it may have been the middle goal but i i can't remember okay that's that's a good enough hook to get you onto to get enough get you onto fiorentina for sure. sure uh so for those who don't know much about the club and we obviously know huge amounts about juve and 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 the other milan clubs maybe you could give us a a, a, a history lesson on fiorentina Yes, yeah, so they were founded in 1926 um, and they were actually, um, it was in the time of fascism and the the person that founded the club, Luigi Rodolfi, was was a member of the fascist party. But when we went, we went on a stadium tour a few years ago and uh, the guy who was taking us round explained that he was a sort of a reluctant member of the fascist party, a inverted commas. Uh, good fascist, okay. and he did a lot of he did a lot of good work at the time. So, um, but then the the stadium was built, and it was named after um, Giovanni Berta, and he was apparently a bad fascist, and he was really sort of involved in the party. So, stadium's not called that anymore. It's called the Stadio Artemio Franchi, um, after somebody else who was quite involved with the club. So that you know, there's a a, a bit of a difference. There. There between the 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 founders apparently, um, the the nickname is Laviola, um, obviously because they play in purple. Um, they won the Scudetto uh, in 1956 and as well in 1969. They've only ever won it twice, um, and more recently they've been after a, a long spell. Um, in charge by the Della Valle brothers who were the owners they've just been taken over by a, an American owner who's looking to sort of improve things and take things forward and this, it's it's been quite a couple of up and down years too because you went from basically from Champions League to well almost bankruptcy too right yeah, so they they were um, obviously in the Batistuta years. They were uh, playing in the Champions League, and then by by two thousand and two, um, they were they were bankrupt and had to be reformed. So it it. it there's, there was a in the in that period there was a big up and a down, but I think it was sort of years of financial mismanagement and um, you know just the club not being run very well that that uh, that put them in that situation in the first place. Okay. Um, in, throughout that history, then what are the what stand out as the sort of top three moments of, of for the club? Um. Probably the listeners will remember um, Batistuta's goal versus Arsenal at, at Wembley. Um, that has been doing the rounds on Twitter because I think it was a, an anniversary of, of when it happened. Um, I think, you know, for for the Fiorentina fans to play against a, a big English club like that and, and to win that game was a, a really special moment in the history of the club. Um, and similarly as well, um, when they, they beat Manchester United in the Champions League, um, around that same time they didn't actually I think it was two legs they didn't actually win overall but they did in in the one-off game that they did win 2-1 and the other um, big moment was uh, in 2013 they um, they were losing 2-0 to their old rivals Juventus at home um, Antonio Conte was in charge of Juve they were very dominant at the time 
And thanks to a, a fantastic hat trick from Giuseppe Rossi and a goal from Joaquin, Whoa. they turned it round and they won four two. So, um, yeah, uh, Fiorentina fans still are still revel in that even now. So it's the sort of club where the, these sort of smaller victories count rather than rather than like they don't look to their past so much to like those you know those uh, Serie A titles of like the of like the fifties and, and late sixties. Then no, I think it was too long ago to be honest. I think you know a lot of um, you'd you'd have to be fairly old to sort of remember that in person. Mm. Um, and I think it's it's a bit of a distant memory. Uh, they did they did win the Coppa Italia. Um, with uh, Claudio Ranieri when Battistuta was there and they won it again in 2002 I think under Roberto Mancini but Oh against Parma I think it was was it? Somebody yeah, like that, but yeah. They've, they've not um, they've not won anything since so so yeah they've got the to look to these small victories and, and a, a a victory against Juventus cannot be underestimated. <laughs> um, there is a really bitter rivalry between the two clubs. Where does that stem from? Is that just is that just like a is that a city thing, an intercity thing, or, or, no, or what, what no, is it? There's no rivalry between the cities. It was it stems back to um, a, an incident where um, Fiorentina accused Juve of, of stealing a scudetto, um, and then in all in a short space of time. Time, the Juve controversially beat them in a European Cup match, and then because the Fiorentina owner was was going uh, was trying to sell the club, and he was kind of asset stripping, selling off all the players cheap. They they sold their um, star player Roberto Baggio uh, to Juve, even though he didn't really want to want to leave. So um, it's all very bitter. Like Fiorentina are kind of the the plucky little side versus the big corporate Juventus. It's it, it's it's really based in that. Would, like, they would probably wouldn't be the first team to accuse Juventus of stealing a, a Scudetto over the, <laughs> over the years. Um, the, we've mentioned the bankruptcy before. Is that does that go down as the club's worst moment in its history? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think uh, you know having to reform initially under a, a new name, uh, Florentia Viola, um, and then eventually they got it. They got it back to um, now they have to be called ACF Fiorentina rather than mm. just Fiorentina um, so they got the name back in in a way um, but yeah I think um, they went down to uh, Che Due so C2 um, and uh, yeah I think a proud club who'd always been in the top flight I think it was just really humiliating for the supporters and, and yeah a really dark moment um, you've mentioned a couple of the, the the big players that have been before, um, in like in Baggio and uh, Barastura. Um Are they the ones that stand out as the ones who represent what the club is all about? Certainly, I mean, it must be Barastura, right? Yeah, I mean, they've never had a player of his caliber before or since. Um, it was a a moment of good scouting that that brought him over from Argentina to to Florence I think uh, 92 I think um, and he was he was young and quite 
roar and he immediately fell in love with the city and the supporters and you know having experienced that myself it's it's definitely if you if you're that kind of person that that loves the sort of the passion and the atmosphere and the the beauty of the city of Florence it is very easy to fall in love with it um and even as he clearly became one of the world's best players at the time, um, he 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 didn't he turned down offers to join Manchester United, Real Madrid. He he didn't he didn't want to leave Florence, and um, he stayed there all that time and scored all that goals when he could have left. So I think not only for all the moments that he. He gifted to the Fiorentina fans with his sublime skill. Um, it's the fact that he was so loyal to the club. Um, eventually, he left to join Roma and he won the Scudetto with them. But that was after he'd he'd given more than more than enough to the club. And I think the supporters, um, whilst they were bitterly disappointed, they understood why eventually he had to leave. So there was no sort of recriminations on on their part. No, no. I, I, you know, like I say, they're disappointed, but um, he—he's, you know, still a, a huge hero. He get, he comes back to the city quite a lot because three of his four children were born there. He's still got this big link to the club, and um, he was inducted into the Hall of Fame, and he he sobbed on the stage, and he was just, you know, there's there's such a big love there. There's no there's no problem with him having Joan Roma at all, especially now. Yeah, and of course he scored against them too, didn't he? He came back for Roma. I think he sc- I remember him scoring in some sort of yeah, ridiculous thirty-yard volley or something like that, yeah. <laughs> and then refusing to celebrate. Yeah. Um, the the purple is obviously the one of the iconic things behind behind the team, the the color of the jerseys. Where where does that come from? Um, it's it's steeped in rumor, really. Um, they're not they're not really sure, but one of the stories is that they because they, they very first started to play in red and white. Oh, um, one of the stories is that the the kits got washed in the river and the colours <laughs> blended together. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that that's the case, to be honest. But um, yeah, it's nobody really knows for sure, but it certainly sets them apart because um, it's it's such a, a standout and a vibrant colour. That is a great story, though. If true, <laughs> if yeah. true, yeah, we washed it by mistake. <laughs> um, so, uh, where does the club stand today then? Um, so he's been taken over by um, an American or a, a guy that was that was born in Italy uh, and moved over to America when he was young, and he's really made his fortune over there. And he's now bought the club. Um, it's still a bit of a transition process. Um, it's it's not like um, he's come in like some some for, foreign owners do and and splash the cash immediately. Um, he's trying to build something fairly slowly and. And with results on the pitch, it is very slow. Um, but I think there's a bit more optimism for the future because the previous owners, they didn't really want to invest and they'd really let the club stagnate. So he's got big plans, the um, Rocco Camiso, the new guy. Um, and hopefully we'll start to see that come to fruition at, at some point soon. So it's, it's seven points from the first six games, which leaves them in 11th. Is the aim for this season then just to maybe edge Europa League place or just kind of find a bit of stability in mid-table? Yeah, I think the the aim really always for Fiorentina should be to at least make the Europa League. Um, 
and uh, they've they've really underachieved in the last few seasons. So um, I hope that they can. Um, there's there's quite a lot of unhappiness with the coach at the moment, and there's talk of possibly Maurizio Sarri coming in. And I think if that does happen, I, I, I definitely think they'll they'll make Europe. Um, and then the long term goal is um, is always to to get back into the Champions League after a very very long absence. Maurizio Sarri, that would be quite the eye-catching appointment there. It would, it would. We're keeping everything crossed, to be honest. <laughs> Chloe, that's lovely. Thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome. Okay, that's all from us today. My thanks to Joanna, Angelina and Chloe. We'll be back next week, but in the meantime, should you miss us, you can listen to the back catalog on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts here. And if you want to get in touch, the address to do so is podcast.onefootball.com. Okay.